Welcome to Unlapped, Katie George, alongside Nate Saunders and Lawrence Edmondson. And this is not just an ordinary episode of Unlapped. We have a very special guest this week. The two of you just saw him. Are you excited to speak with him again? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this. I mean, I don't know how. I don't know if we're naming him at this point. This is one of the one of the best characters in the paddock. It's Christian Horner. It's Christian Horner, and he is, I would say, one of the most interesting people, just generally in Formula One, one of the most powerful people in Formula One. And yeah, is you know, love him or hate him, and you know, I know he divides a lot of people's opinions. He's an absolutely sensational person to to interview when he's, you know, especially when he feels, you know, like he's got something to talk about. So yeah, really, really excited about it. Lawrence, he's has also- Nate ever heard of a big reveal? No, he's, he's not into that. No, sorry. This, I, this, this is why he's such a good journalist. He just breaks all the embargoes and yeah, I don't, I don't listen to embargoes, Casey. I don't. No I just, messing around. Like, I'm just going to break it myself. You know, <laughs> he, he not, like, very... not like we're not going to have him on the thumbnail and in the title. Everyone already knows. <laughs> yeah, Nate is our very own helmet marker. He just says it like it is. He, you know, Whoa. he doesn't, he doesn't mince his words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, hey, I mean, maybe, maybe there's something to that. Maybe being more a bit more like helmet marker isn't a bad thing. No, it's not. I uh, I think there's some pros to that. All right, let's cut to the chase. Let's get right to it. We'd like to introduce a very special guest, as you now know, Red Bull team principal Christian Horner, who just witnessed his team's 13th consecutive Grand Prix win as we head into summer break. Christian, we're, of course, thrilled to have you. How are you fresh off your one-two finish in Belgium? Yeah, all good. Uh, the last race before the summer shutdown, so it's the last few days in the factory, um, and then uh, I think a well-earned two-week break for everybody. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. Two things have become common occurrences for your team this season, breaking records and uh, lately breaking trophies. Yeah. What on earth is going on there, and how do you solve this moving forward? Well, technically, uh, Budapest wasn't our fault. You know, uh, Lando Norris um broke that beautiful piece of porcelain trophy that uh, took about six months to make so we now have a collection of bits in our trophy cabinet and then unfortunately uh a repeat with the uh some damage to the constructors trophy um at the weekend but uh lando norris wasn't involved in that one so uh, uh but that one can be repaired does a bill get sent to mclaren there christian for that or do you guys just oh, you so leave it as it is yeah, absolutely. They get the bill for that one. So, uh, so, so we'll see. I mean, it's a beautiful trophy. I mean, it's a, a great piece of porcelain. And unfortunately, we we allow all the staff members to have their picture taken with the trophy after a race win, and um, it's uh, it's not a great picture with some some bits of porcelain. I feel like Lando should have to spend his two week break uh, gluing it all back together. Yes, yes, he should be. Uh, uh, you have that challenge, <laughs> and Christian. I mean, you've 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 collected so many of them this season, you know, and that's been really the story of the year: records breaking, trophies, and stuff. But just going back to February, did you have any idea at that point of how good the season was going to be? You, you were clearly confident coming into the season, but to for it to have been like this must be must be just so surprising for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we could have never even imagined in your wildest dreams to think that we're heading into the summer break unbeaten in both Grand Prix and sprint races. I mean, in February, we knew we had a good car, um, but we expected Ferrari to build on last year. We expected Mercedes to, uh, you know, to be there also. And so, um, yeah, it completely took us by surprise just how competitive we were compared to our opponents. Kristen, was there a moment in testing where you and Adrian and maybe Helmut all looked at each other and you thought, wow, we've got a kind of McLaren 1988 situation on our hands where we can go and dominate this season i don't think any of us thought that the car we that we had was actually as potent as as that we could see from the race runs that we look competitive the aston looked like it was the closest to us and and the mercedes didn't look in great shape um they they'd uh pioneered on with their their concept so we could only really tell our our own performance and of course having been at bahrain the previous year and lost out um, with a reliability issue, we were determined to put that right, you know, this year. Everyone on the outside, I feel like, is just so focused on the perfect season. You get asked that question every single weekend. Can you win every weekend? Can you win every single race from here on out? How do you personally stay focused and keep your team focused on just the here and now? I think that's what you've got to be. You've got to be in the here and now. And, and, and every session, every qualifying, every race, just take one at a time. And, and that's been our approach and that's been our you know, mantra so far 
this this year and and that's what we'll do after the summer break there's so many things and variables that can go wrong it's just the, focusing on the things that you can control reacting to the conditions making sure that we're reliable uh and uh, and as competitive as we can possibly be with the car I imagine it's not hard for your drivers and personnel to buy into that based on their personalities, but do you have any pushback on that or do everybody's similarly focused in that same way? Everybody's focused. Everybody knows what their job is. Everybody, you know, roles and responsibilities are, are clearly defined. So that makes life a lot you know, more straightforward. Um, and, you know, Max has just been incredible this year. I mean, he's just been, he's stepped it up another gear you know, Checo had a great, great start to the year uh, in, in in Jeddah and Azerbaijan. Um, but uh, yeah, Max has been been truly impressive. Christian, just to focus on um, on the team, and obviously there's all this hard work that goes on behind the scenes at the factory. We don't usually get to see it at a Grand Prix weekend. Um, when Mercedes were winning, they always talked about their culture, no blame, all this kind of stuff. How, how would you define the Red Bull culture? What is this secret to success? I think the secret to success is exactly that. It is, uh, you know, the culture that throws flows throughout the business. Very much a can-do attitude, and and you know, everybody loves winning, and so we celebrate every success. Um, we obviously had some difficult years where we were trying to get back into a winning position, but nobody lost focus of what the target was, what the goal was, and and what the ambition, uh, you know, was. So. Uh, so, so yeah, I've never seen motivation higher, um, you know, on the campus than we can, than we currently have, and uh, uh, you know, winning is fun, and 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 we celebrate every single victory. Yeah, Christian, you mentioned those difficult years, and it was <clears throat> such a long time that Mercedes was on top. How much sweeter does it feel that you know you've had you've had that weight, you've you've you know you've established yourself now as the top team, but also, I guess in a way, sticking it to Toto, sticking it to Mercedes a little bit, like after how good they were to be the team that replaced them, that must just add such a nice feeling to, to the overall accomplishment as well. Yeah. I mean, seven long years <laughs> yeah. is a long time. I mean, you, you, you get less for, you know, crimes. Um, <laughs> we had to wait to get back into a competitive position. And, and, you know, we had to do a lot of watching of a lot of Mercedes winning and, and 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 so on and it you know but we never lost sight of our target we were still winning races pretty much every single year we still won races and and at circuits that we could uh you know excel at so we never lost that target it was just about putting the missing pieces in, in into place and then once we got a competitive power unit bang um you know we were able to go toe to toe with mercedes so they were lucky they had it easy all of those years when we were running one-legged. <laughs> yeah, now you're not. That's for certain. It's one thing, Christian, to have a generational driver, a strong driver lineup. It's another to just make the right call seemingly time and time again, strategy-wise, to click on all cylinders in the pit lane. There just seems to be no weakness to exploit when you look at your team. Is this the most complete team that you've been a part of since your time at Red Bull? Yeah, absolutely. And it means every single area is doing their job it's pit stops it's strategy it's reliability it's aerodynamics it's mechanical design it's the upgrades it's you know everybody through all the 22 different departments that we have is delivering at a level where you know they're they're, they're outperforming their opponents and that that's what you have to do to win in this sport and i think that you know when you see the one thing that everybody has in common is the car and the performance of that car on a on a Sunday afternoon and uh, what it means to everybody to see that car cross the line first, uh, you, know, you know, has huge value to us. I don't want to dwell too much on those seven long years, as you called them, but um, yeah. it was clear that there was a huge amount of things that your team was good at, but you were being hamstrung usually by the engine, occasionally by other things. So how important were those years in terms of basically getting, a, getting into a position where you can make a brilliant chassis make it drivable and then these new regulations come along and it's a blank sheet of paper for everyone so how important were all those lessons from that seven years to getting to this position you're now well they were hugely important because they galvanized the team because we came off a winning streak and then suddenly we had no chance we were turning up a races and we had no chance of success and i think that that tested uh you know the team in many in many respects it's been very easy for a lot of people to have left at that point um but we stuck together and we uh you know we focused on the things that we could uh that, that we could uh, you know influence and i think that the way the team reacted it hardened the team 
in many respects during that period. And the races we had, we won, we had to scrap hard for, we had to be super, super sharp because, you know, we were running with a, with a handicap effectively. And if you look at the races that we won and in those years, there were many of them were opportunistic wins or wins where uh, circuits where power didn't play a, uh, a pivotal focus. So, um, and I think that that just made us match fit for when, I mean, 2021 was the most epic season, I think, probably in the history of the sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we were ready for that challenge. We were, we were battle hardened, um, you know, from those uh, intervening years. Christian, on 2021, it's, I think you're right. I think most fans would agree it's kind of the best season that we've ever seen. From the outside, a lot of fans might say, oh, well, Red Bull this season, you know, it's a lot easier for them. They don't have that challenge. But I imagine internally it doesn't feel like that. I imagine there's a different intensity to a 2021, but there's also, a, a you know, an equally intense kind of feeling in 23. How do, how do those kind of seasons compare and how do they differ? And how does that add to kind of the challenge of, of staying ahead uh, in those moments? We're only about 19 months on from uh, 2021 and uh, it's amazing how things change because 21 we were the challenger you know we were going up the you know we were the david mercedes with a goliath they they steamrolled the previous seven years uh you know in the sport and so you know we were the challenger we had nothing to lose we were throwing everything at it and and we were on the ascendancy and and we pulled it off 22 23 suddenly you know, we uh, you know we produced a great car, and and we started uh, you know winning and serial winning, and then you know at that point you become uh, you have a, a very much a target, um, and people are trying to take your staff or your sponsors or trying to cause issues um, you know elsewhere with uh, you know with whatever politics they can play, and um, yeah, you know it's a lonely place uh, when you're at the top, um, but. Uh, uh, I think that the way that the team has responded has just been been fantastic, and uh, uh, you know the results that we've been achieving, uh, you know, in twenty two were insane. The, the chance, fact that we might even be able to match that or even beat that in in twenty three is is um, beyond uh, beyond crazy. Do you have a preference, being the hunted or the hunter? I'm, I, I sleep better at the moment than I did in 2021. <laughs> I mean, I'd far rather have 250 points in the pocket than, uh, uh, you know, than two. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that year was just unbelievable. I mean, it, it must have been every yeah. night you were kind of going to bed, just, you know, the stress levels, watching it, you know, from the from the media centre, they were high. I, I can't imagine what it was like being involved in that, um, you know, so closely. It was the most intense, insane period because there was so much going on on track, off track. I didn't have a single grey hair before uh, <laughs> um, I It aged me. Um, so, uh, so, so yeah, it was uh, it was the most intense, insanely intense year that you could ever imagine. It was like a heavyweight fight from the first race in Bahrain to um, you know that final round in in Abu Dhabi. We still see now that there's a little bit of needle between Red Bull and Mercedes. Um, do you think that will, that will ever go? Have you and Toto kind of made up a little bit from where you were in 2021? I haven't seen much of him, um, uh, you know, recently. So, um, uh, look, of course, this competition, there's needle, but there's also a respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that, that's important. But, you know, look, they're, they're a great team. They're a, they're a big team. They've... They've achieved, you know, a record-breaking team in 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 so many areas that uh, you know we don't underestimate them. That they'll be back at some point for sure, and uh, um, and, and yeah, I'm sure then then Toto will have plenty to say. <laughs> and just um, finally on that, because I think we'll talk about Max a little bit in a sec. But just on that fight behind you, what's your read on it been? Because all year that's been chopping and changing, but the gap from that group to you hasn't ever seemed to, at least from, you know, from from our vantage point, have changed so much. So which of those teams have you looked at and thought, you know, those guys are really going to give us a headache down the line? Or are you actually kind of fascinated by the fact that there is this really close group of teams there chasing you? And as soon as that gap comes down, I guess it starts to put you under under quite a bit of pressure because it's just kind of guys coming at you from all different directions. Well, every week it keeps changing. And um, 
you know, one week it's Ferrari, the next week it's Mercedes, and McLaren have turned up, and Aston Martin were there at the beginning of the year. So um, every time we look over our shoulder, it's somebody else that's that's uh, that, that's there. Um, and that many respects has, has helped us, of course. But um, yeah, it's insanely close, and you can, you know, with stability in the rules, there will always be convergence. If you want, if you want close racing, just leave the rules alone, and you will always find the teams. Um, you know, they will converge. The cars will converge, um, and so I totally expect next year to be a whole different kettle of fish to uh, to this year. You mentioned Aston at the beginning of the season. That was one of the main storylines, just what progress they were able to make in the off season. But when you look at McLaren from a disappointing start to where they've been the last few yeah. weeks, how impressive of a turnaround is that to be able to do that mid-season in such a quick amount of time? Yeah, it's very impressive, you know, to go from nowhere to suddenly being, you know, pushing us hard for for uh, pole positions. Um, you know, very impressive to to have that kind of uh change because there's no silver bullets in in formula one um and so to to introduce an upgrade that does that you know was uh they obviously made their car come alive and uh suddenly it started you know behaving in a way that perhaps it was intended to christian um do, do you think we've seen a number of teams kind of take inspiration from you do, do you think we are going to get this uh convergence going into next year where we have a lot of red bull style claims or is there enough scope in these regulations to still have wildly different looking cars well you can see the dna of our cars sort of sprinkling around the field now and of course there will be conversions you can't look at a car like like what we've produced and think that well everybody's going to go a different path next year i mean if you look at the suspension layout on the on the mclaren some of the principles on some of the other cars you see the influences that uh you know rb18 and uh and 19 have, have had and uh one could only imagine that's only going to converge uh you know more in uh in 2024 i think one of the things this is question has been i mean everything's been impressive but i think every weekend we're kind of blown away on our side just about max and just mm-hmm. wherever he seems to start what whatever happens to him in a race he he's just it, he just seems as unbeatable as a driver i think we've seen for a long long time managing him from your role i mean how how impressive has it been and just do you still get blown away by some of his performances? Because it seems like every week he finds something new to to kind of bring out. Well, look, he, he's operating at a, an insanely high level and and with the benefit of experience now, I mean, he's always had raw speed and and great natural talent, but the capacity he has in the car to be following the race, to be be thinking about aspects that way beyond um you know the normal uh the the the, the normal uh sphere. Um, it's hugely, hugely impressive. And I think that, uh, you know, he's just taken another step again this year. I mean, the last couple of years, he's been out of this world. And I think, you know, you've got to start to consider Max now as as, as one of the all-time greats. I mean, it's, uh, and particularly at 25 years of age, what he's done in the space of time he's done it. Um, you, you know, he's just massively, massively impressive. And I think... Uh, uh, it's a it's a, a privilege to work with him and see, you know, this this driver that's just going to achieve these unbelievable unbelievable things and some of the things he does that just take us by surprise on a continual basis, whether it's in mixed conditions, wet conditions, dry conditions, you know, his ability to extract the maximum from the car is uh, unparalleled. It must be interesting to look at his data compared to Checo and, and see where those differences are. Is it possible to pick that apart and find out where it is? Because we know Checo has been a very good driver, very competitive against a bunch of names, you know, through his time in F1. So what is it that Max has? Is it possible to define it, what it, what he has over his teammates? I think he's just got this this uh, feel for the car, for the, the limit of grip. He's got such a confidence in himself and his own ability um, his ability to get there so quickly. Uh, you look at his look at his laps. So the first time you turn up at a Grand Prix or a new circuit, or you know his lap at times will just his first lap of a day will often be two three seconds quicker than anybody else. Um, and you know you see a little bit of rain at Spa at the weekend. Boom! Suddenly that gap goes like that. He he has tremendous natural feel um, and. Uh, the ability to understand what the car needs 
from his input to get the most out of it. And uh, that's uh, it's fascinating to see because you know he just adapts so quickly to a to a situation or a condition with a car. What do you think it would be like to be his teammate to race alongside him? It would be tough. I mean, that's probably the toughest job in Formula One is to be Max Verstappen's teammate because the level that he's operating at, I don't think there's a driver in Formula One that, uh, you know, will be able to take him on in this car. And I think that, uh, um, you know, that's that, that's a tough gig for, you know, for anybody. You've got to be mentally very, very resilient to, you know, to deal and cope with that. Is that, Christian, is that something that you think you're just going to have to kind of manage as long as you've got Max in the car that you're going to have almost, I guess, to put an arm around the teammate and be like, look, you know, you you go out and do do the job, but there's probably a good chance that, I mean, we've seen it now with definitely three teammates, but you could argue that final season 2018, you could start to see it with Daniel and Max was kind of forming that way anyway. Yeah. Is it just something, you know, you're going to have to manage going forward, whoever it is in that seat with Max, because it... As, as great as his opportunity is to drive at Red Bull, also seems like a bit of a poison chalice to be the guy in the same car as him because that comparison can just be so brutal sometimes. Well, it's, it, look, it's a, a very, very tough seat. And I think you've, you've almost got to switch off to, to what he's doing and, and uh, just, just, just drive to the best of your ability and see where it, see where it takes you. So, um, yeah, being Max's teammate is never going to be uh, an easy gig. And... Um, you know, I think Checo's actually done done you know very well the last uh, two and a half years um, to to achieve and do what he's done, and that takes great mental uh, resilience because not only has he got the data that he's staring down in the barrels, he's got you guys to deal with. Uh, giving him brief every weekend, saying, you know, why aren't you at your teammates level? Well, nobody's at his teammates level. He's still second in the world championship, forty points ahead of uh, you know third place. So. Um, uh, you know, having won two Grand Prix and finished second in at least another four of them. So uh, he and his turn has had a, a decent season, but um, anything compared to Max is uh, is secondary. It's almost like comparing apples to oranges uh, a little bit there. And I imagine for Checo going into summer break after finishing P2 this weekend has to be a great boost for him mentally. It's been somewhat of a roller coaster as of late, especially on Saturdays and qualifying. Just where would you feel say that he is right now mentally? Um, I think, I think that, you know he should have taken a bit of confidence out of. I thought his driving Budapest was very strong on the Sunday. You know his race, he raced very hard there. Um, he got unlucky in the sprint race on Saturday with the damage that he got. <clears throat> but then again, you know his race on Sunday, he took the lead. He passed Leclerc around the outside at the top of the hill and led for the first 17 laps of the Grand Prix. So, <laughs> you know, finished, finished second place. So he, he can take uh, a lot of positives. There's a few things that obviously he's he's focused on addressing in the second half of the year on Saturdays. But, um, yeah, hopefully he'll he'll get a bit of downtime, a bit of time to, uh, to chill out. And I think he'll come back, you know, fully motivated for the second half of the year. Were you set many uh, targets for the second half of the year? I mean, is it enough just to make sure he secures that second place in the championship, even if it's with a big gap to Max? I think you'll want to win a race or two, but in the second half of the year, for sure, that'll be his, his target. I'm sure he'd love to win the Mexican Grand Prix. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, he he um, will definitely uh, want to be, uh, you know, at least second in the world championship, that's for sure. You welcomed um, you welcomed Daniel back to the t- well to to the team at the start of the year, but he obviously got the Alpha Tauri seat uh, two races ago. I know that that was kind of framed as in in, in some areas as you know is Ricardo going to take Checo's seat? But I think you've been pretty clear on the fact that if if Ricardo is going for anything, it's for twenty twenty five, and even then, you know Perez yep. is still in the, in the hunt there. Um, but just in terms of what Ricardo's brought back to Red Bull generally since he's got back, what what was it like having him back, and and what do you make of the first two performances at, um, at AlphaTauri so far? Well, look, first of all, it's been great to have him back and around. Um, Daniel, the last couple of years, didn't really recognise the same character that was with us, you know, for all those years, and so uh, in bringing him back into the Red Bull fold, you know, we had to uh, build him back up and unpick a few bad habits that he got in into and uh you know we saw gradually uh in the virtual world his performance getting better and better and stronger and stronger to to be matching that of the race drivers um and then of course he did an amazing test 
uh, at Silverstone where he was truly impressive. And he knew there was a lot riding on that test. Um, and uh, and then it became a logical choice for him to step into the Alpha Tory. And um, I thought that his first race in Budapest in a car that he never sat in before, um, you know, the further that last stint was very impressive, was 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 very strong. He drove a decent race in the in the sprint race on the Saturday, um, and then uh, on Sunday, uh, you know, I haven't caught up with what what his issues were, but there's obviously something wasn't quite right in the race because he wasn't able to show the form that he'd shown uh, previously, and in turn, Yo know, Yuki had a very strong race. So. So, uh, yeah, I think he takes, uh, it looks like he's enjoying life again. He's enjoying driving again. Um, and it'll be fascinating to see how he does in the second half of the season. So one of the fascinating kind of what might have been stories, isn't it, in F1, that 2018 decision to leave. I mean, have you, have you guys ever spoken about that and said like, hey, I, you know, what, what things might have been like had, had things gone differently? Or is it just kind of something, you know, maybe you don't talk about or maybe, you know, neither, neither of you wants to bring up? Um, occasionally we've spoken about it, um, even when he wasn't with us. Um, so, uh, so, so yeah, look, I mean, you can't turn back the clock. Um, and, uh, you know, in life, sometimes you make decisions that, that, you know, a few years later, you, you perhaps, you know, wish you'd taken another path, but, you know, the most important thing is he's, he's got himself back into a situation where he's back within the Red Bull family. He's, He's in a race car and uh, he's enjoying, enjoying his driving again. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Can you describe for us, in particular me, what it's like working with Helmet Marco? Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, I've known Helmet a long time. Um when I was, uh, I first met him in 1996 when I needed to buy a trailer for the Formula 3000 or Formula 2 team that I had. And, and Helmets, uh, you know, first of all, he's a passionate racer. He was a good, he was a good driver himself until his, until his accident. Um, and look, he's just very, uh, he's very direct and, uh, uh, you know, as a junior driver, um, you know he's picked some picked some great ones, and um, you know he's a he's a tough operator with the with the junior drivers. But if they can't survive helmet, they'll never survive Formula One. Um, and uh, yeah, look, he's uh, he's eighty years young. He's still you know watching every Formula Three session, every F two session, every split time. Um, and and following the the, the young talent, uh, you know, religiously. So, uh, so so yeah. And I've always had a very straightforward and and, and good relationship with him. I think straightforward is a pretty good word for helmet. Do you ever mm-hmm. do you do you wince sometimes when you see some of the quotes that are out there? Because he he does kind of speak his mind at all points. But he's, and I guess he, that's he, yeah, it's always he's, something he's done. He's a communication manager's nightmare. <laughs> um, uh, you know, so when Helmut goes goes rogue, um, <laughs> you know, then then you guys only have to prod him, and you'll get a headline. Um, and uh, but he just calls it as he sees it. You know, he just, um, uh, you know, he just uh, will tell you exactly what he, you know, what what he thinks, which. Um, in many respects, it's very similar to how Nicky Lauda was. You know, they're, they're same generation, same um, same makeup in many ways. Um, but uh, 
yeah, look, he's uh, there's a great respect for Helmut and what he's you know what he's done and contributed over the years, and um, and yeah, he's still uh, he, he, at 80 years of age, he's still you know he's he's still looking for purple sectors. What what happens to the um, Red Bull Young Driver program now? Because obviously Checo came in at Red Bull from outside. Daniel Ricciardo's come back. Yep. Uh, Yuki is really more language ponder, I suppose, than than Red Bull. So what? What's happening with, with the pipeline there? Is it is it providing the drivers that you want? Is, is does there need to be a, a rethink around it? I think that look, I mean, things go in, in, in waves. It's produced Sebastian Vettel. It's produced uh, Max Verstappen. You know, Daniel is a, a a graduate of it. Carlos Sainz is a graduate of it. It's given you know Pierre Gasly is a graduate of it. There's so many drivers. It's given opportunity to and got to Formula One. Alex Albon being another. Um, and uh, yeah, you, you know it's it, it, it's focusing a, a bit more on youth. I think going forward as well, um, uh, we had a we had a lot of drivers in Formula Two this year. I think that will be thinned out moving forward, and and perhaps a, a refocus on on perhaps some of the lower Formulae as as, uh, as well. But uh, you know, there's a, a Max Verstappen or a Sebastian Vettel. They don't come along in every season, so um, it's just making sure that you identify that talent when it does come along. I'm also looking forward to the future uh, 2026 regulations. You've you've had your say on 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 them uh, a number of times in the press recently. There was an F1 commission meeting recently. Uh, there was talk that um, there'd be an improvement in energy management. Can you can you tell us if it's going in the right direction? Are you more confident about about where it's going now after that meeting? I think things are moving in the right direction. I think some of the stuff that the FIA have been looking at, they seem to be, um, you know, moving very much in. I would say, hopefully, in a in, in a in a route that is going to produce competitive racing in in twenty twenty six. So, um, so so yeah, I think it's an important one that we need to get right and work collectively. And that's where sometimes I think um, self self interest needs to be left behind for the benefit of the sport. And um, uh, I think that you know things are definitely moving in the right direction now for 2026. What were some of your initial concerns? Uh, the, the, the engine that had been um, effectively, uh, anything that ends up as a compromise usually usually is, and there was too much inference being placed on the chassis to make up for some of the, um, uh, some, some of the uh, inadequacies in the, in the engine. But I think that's, that's, been been refined and sorted out in what's been proposed for 2026 now. So so um, it's great that uh, you know it, in in enough time that's that's been addressed. When those um when those Netflix cameras aren't there, Christian, what are those meetings like? Are they all quite as spicy as what we saw with you and Toto, or did that did those cameras kind of kind of ramp up the I guess the showmanship of everybody? Because there must be so much to discuss in those in those situations and. You've got so many personalities in there. It's easy to imagine that it follows maybe not quite quite the same um, interaction no. you and Toto had then. But I mean, be- I, don't, I don't turn this sort of car out every um, full-on commission meeting. And, um, <laughs> but that's what that's what I was imagining you were saying to him and, uh, last week. No, no, not at all. Um, and, and, and I mean, they get a bit sporty at times, but um, you know, there, 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 there needs to be a healthy debate in Formula One and. Uh, you, I think by and large they're, they're they're usually pretty constructive. Outside of the two of you, who seems to be one of the more outspoken and fiery team principals? Brian's toast. You know when surprised by that. You know, you know when you've been toasted. <laughs> he doesn't. You. I mean, you wouldn't maybe think that from from speaking to him, but I guess it's. I guess that's kind of what makes it so would be surprising huh yeah, i mean look i mean but the thing is when i look around the room now um they're very different personalities when i first came into the sport there was ron dennis there was flavia brittori there was eddie jordan there was jean todd there was bernie eccleston running it there was max mosley there frank williams um you know some really big uh, uh characters and personalities and of course now you look around the room and maybe it's me just getting older but uh, you know, there's more more managers there than, and and it's gone more much more technical than the entrepreneurial side. So I suppose, you know, Toto and myself are perhaps um, 
two of the more of the dinosaur type of characters compared to some of the um even though i'm i'm still on the younger side um you know of, of the team principles but uh, the dynamic and and the definition of what a team principle is these days is very different to um when i first came into the sport how so as i say because those characters are just very different i think that um many of them are now sort of morphing from technical backgrounds where they're very focused just on the technical and and perhaps sporting regulations rather than actually thinking about the business and the bigger picture and the sport uh, as a, you know, as a whole. I think a drive to survive made in 2006, 2007 must have been, I think that would have been pretty entertaining. Who do you think would have been like the, the kind of Gunther Steiner style kind of cult hero if they'd done it two decades earlier? I mean, they were all massive characters. I mean, Ron Dennis was a big character. He was passionate about what he would argue for. You know, Bernie would carve up the room. He'd have everything nailed up with Max before the meeting had even started. Uh, uh, Flavio, you know, a huge character. You know, if, if Ron Dennis said it was black, he'd say it was white. Um, Jean Todd would would just be ruthless in his protection of, of Ferrari and all things Ferrari, totally uncompromising. Um, and and so, yeah, they were all, you know, huge, huge characters and, uh, and, and personalities. What do you think is better for the sport? Because I remember Ben Eccleston used to come into the media centre and just drop a bomb in there and, you know, it would all kick yeah. off. We didn't get that from F1 anymore. And like you say, the characters maybe aren't quite as big and bold as, as, as they once were. But is it better now because... Things are getting done, you know. I mean, Nate said Netflix. I don't know if it would have been allowed under Bernie's watch either to have Netflix. And well, Bernie would have never dreamt of doing Netflix because, uh, uh, you know, he would have the, the 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 money involved would have been nowhere near um, what he would have expected. But uh, you know, when you look what Netflix have done for the sport, it's transformed the sport. It's 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 taken it into households that it would have never been in previously of being a a niche sport. It's now made drivers and some team principals household names and and you know it's it's engaged America. We now have three US races. Um, you know, the biggest market in the world we're now we're now flourishing in. Um, and it's brought uh, you know millions and millions of dollars of of revenue into the sport of sponsorship and and uh, advertising revenues and so on. So so it, you know it has been a game changer, but part of that changing has also been the way that it's it's been um, uh, been perceived because obviously, you know, Formula One as a sport, you've got your 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 original and your diehard fans that that follow, you know, all the action, and then Netflix sort of turned it onto the Kardashians on wheels. Um, so it brought a whole new audience, a young audience, a female audience, um, and 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 it changed changed the dynamic massively massively compared to um you know where the sport was you know 10 years ago arriving at the the hotel in Budapest you've been lucky you found you know 25 people out there now we have to go through the underground car park and go through kitchens um because you can't get in the hotel yeah last year I got stuck outside I think it was McLaren and you maybe it was a few other teams and you couldn't actually drive down the road there were so many fans just in the streets out there it was mad just on that, and, and Bernie not letting the Netflix cameras in, I don't know if you ever saw the Stallone movie that he originally wanted to make. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, which is dreadful. But obviously now <laughs> Formula One has opened up its, its its doors to Hollywood. What do you, yes. they've obviously been filming recently. What are you expecting from that? And it must just be such a cool project that, you know, to be involved with and to be see happening around you in the paddock. Well, um, hopefully it will be better than the Stallone movie. <laughs> um, yeah. I think uh, I don't think that's too difficult to do. Actually, that's probably. No. Um, you know, if they're flicking coins and driving over them, um, yeah. you know, we'll know we're we'll know we're in trouble. But look, um, it's great that again it's taking Formula One to the big screens um, with Toto and Lewis as executive producers. I'm sure we're going to be portrayed as the bad guys um, <laughs> and uh, and the villains. But um, but look, I think it's great for the sport. It's great for great for Formula One. And and the interest in sport is just just amazing. You mentioned the growth here in the United States. I always feel like Americans are a little late to the party, and uh, I'm glad that we finally got there. But 
the fact that we're going out to Las Vegas at the end of the year, what are your expectations for that race? That race is going to be insane. I've never known so much hype around a sporting event as a race on Saturday night down the strip in Las Vegas. Everybody I meet says, oh, I want to be in Vegas. Um, that weekend will be insane. Um, and uh, look, I think it's uh, the whole the whole world's going to be going to be watching and uh, hopefully we can put on a great show. Hopefully the track will deliver, you know, a, a, a great race. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, to be to be racing there um, under the lights is going to be going to be unique. And the prospect of racing in Vegas, even five years ago, it would have seemed absolutely bonkers. It's, it, it speaks, doesn't it, so much to where F1 is that they can put on an event that it just, by every other metric, it it just doesn't seem like it's something F1, you know, should be putting on or should be able to put on, but just where it is right now in America. Is that a fair assessment, do you think? If this had been 10 years ago, do you think we'd have got close to, to that kind of situation? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's unimaginable. We're struggling. If you remember Austin, a few years ago, we were having to get Taylor Swift there to get a crowd there. Um, now, she's lucky if she's allowed in. Um, <laughs> so if she can get a pass. Um, so, you know, it's changed so so much. And I think, um, you know, Las Vegas, I think we'll just take it to another level. It's unprecedented, the interest that we've had in that race and the hype. And so it's just very nice of Stefano to put a, a race on for my 50th birthday uh, on that on that weekend. <laughs> Do you ever worry about too much growth too quickly or this is what it is and you just have to roll with it as it goes? There's an element of both. You've got to roll with it. You've got to embrace it. You've got to make sure that the sport keeps moving. You can't stagnate. Otherwise, you know, all this new fan base will kind of just, just lose interest. But and we can't abuse it either. And I think, you know, 24 races is that's tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, we shouldn't, be, we shouldn't be going beyond that. That's for sure. And, you know, we should always be thinking of, of, of who are our fans, you know, and uh, you know, Formula One at the end of the day, it's entertainment. It's a sport, but it is all sport is a form of entertainment. And, um, you know, we can't we can't abuse that. This is a, a thing that a few people brought up recently, Christian, is that because we've got this big new audience, we need to keep them entertained by having other people ride for you. Now, I know it's not your fault that you're off there winning yeah, by yeah. such a margin, but but does it become a problem for the sport, uh, you know, if, if we do have one team, be it Red Bull or Mercedes, dominating the way we've had? It's, you know, you remember the Schumacher years, the Mercedes years, you know, we've had a couple of years now um, and we had the four years, um, you know, as, as as well a few years back. So, look, it will converge 100%. You know, the regulations are stable. The engines, there's not much between them. The chassis is the one thing that the team can control. And, and, um, and yeah, I, I fully expect things to converge by 2025 uh, and then we'll rip it all up and start again in 2026. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
We usually put drivers and team principals on the hot seat here to wrap up our unlapped episode. Okay. So we're going to rapid fire hit you with a bunch of different questions, okay. see which you land on. Which driver, other than Max or Checo, of course, would you want to grab a beer with, past or present? Oh, oh past or present. Juan Manuel Fangio. I think, yeah, that would be that'd be a pretty good one. Um, well, um, uh, sorry, we've got a few written here. I'm just working on which one to ask. For, uh, you, you, you've had a lot of drivers to your house before, haven't you, for the British Grand Prix. What's your go-to? Do you have a go-to karaoke song or anything like that? What's your kind of your signature uh, signature song? Uh, Right, well, look, the singing's not really in my department, but um, uh, America, you know, uh, Don McLean's American Pies come out a few times. That's <laughs> that's been a Mark Webber summer of '69 was pretty good. Um, Daniel Ricardo and his uh, uh, yeah, he's got some country and western song that I can't remember the one that he, he came out with. Now, but you know, we've had all all four drivers at one point singing Spice Girls songs. What is your favorite Spice Girls song? Do you have one? Are you allowed to have a favorite? I just love all of them. <laughs> That's Good a coach dancer. You can tell you've been asked that. Answer. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's a summer break, Christian. So have you got a favorite hol- holiday destination or somewhere that you uh, that you go every summer? Well, my favorite place is just being at home, to be honest with you, because we end up traveling you know, so much during the year. Sometimes it's just nice to be at one place, you know, home. I've got a young family. Um, it's great to spend a bit of time with them. Um, we'll be getting the tents out and doing a bit of camping and, awesome. and uh, uh, you know, just having a bit of fun. If, if England ever does get a summer, um, <laughs> then uh, we'll be uh, fully embracing it. What would your dream job be if it weren't an F1 team principal? Well, oh, crikey, my dream job, if I wasn't a team principal, I'd, I'd probably be unemployable. Um, <laughs> uh you know what? I love horses, so it'd be something to do with horses. I won't be a jockey, that's for sure. But you know, <laughs> a trainer, like, a trainer. You still have you. You have the horse. Uh, is it called Bottas or Valtteri? I remember there was, there was a joke about. No, no, that, 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 okay. That's Netflix's fault once again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's clarify. So, what is what my is the wife? Horse? My wife made reference to that. We're talking about the personalities of the horses that we were riding. Yeah, that's right. She said, she said your horse is a little bit of a you know Valtteri. And I said, darling, you cannot say I'm riding boxes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Sorry. That's me not remembering the episode properly. Yeah. But um, great, great TV. <laughs> great TV, though. Um, in terms of the Formula 1 calendar, you mentioned how, how big that is. What's your favorite track that's not currently on there at the moment? That's not on the calendar. Um, wow. Um, uh, Brands Hatch. Mm. You know, long circuit of Brands Hatch. I mean, where, where else have we been? I mean, Istanbul's a great circuit. You know, there's so many great circuits that uh, uh, you know we that, that we've that we've raced at over the past. That uh, unfortunately, there's only so many spots on the calendar. Um, Kristen, we've seen you with your barbecue. You had all the drivers round. I think was it just before Silverstone? Yeah. Um, so what what gets thrown on the barbecue? What's your what's your special dish that you that you serve up from? Um, well, it's it's just a typical sort of man barbecue of steak and sausages and burgers and everything's obviously slightly overcooked um but uh yeah 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 it's uh it's all pretty wholesome stuff i think zach brown uh in jest said that he wanted to fight toto wolf out in las vegas who would you put your money behind to win a boxing match between those two the two of those guys Mm -hmm. um well, that can be pretty punchy. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. It'd be it'd be interesting to be a close one to call that. I think. What about if 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 it was you and Toto or you and Zach? Would you fancy yourself in the ring, or is it something you want no no I, part? You know, I I would not like to be anywhere near the ring with either of the two of them. So, uh, I you know, uh, I'm not a fighter guy. He's a lover, not a fighter, guys. Okay. Yeah, I'll let you say that. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to because... be the headline of the podcast now, Christian. You've yeah, done it. exactly. Because Paul Smith was so kind to make this happen, I, I have to personally ask. He went viral at Monaco for saying, I'm going to get in f***ing dude. Did he get in f***ing Christian or was he okay? He was, he was doing his job. I didn't condone the language, but I did 
um, support the uh, behavior where he was protecting the car from overzealous, um, uh, you know, TV crews that uh, could have stood on a front wing at any point and completely ruined our Monaco Grand Prix. So, uh, yes, don't condone the language, but did uh, absolutely condone the uh, spirit of him trying to protect his team's car. I Just on it. that, Christian, actually, the the grids recently have been absolutely insane. Have you have you noticed that? I mean, it, it seems like it's double the people every race now that that we have. Yeah, you can't move. I mean, half the people, um, you don't know who the hell they are. But um, it's uh, it's something that has been discussed and has been raised. I think you know again in the Formula One World Council and Commission, just to say, from a safety point of view, I mean, these cars. You know, things can go wrong with them. I mean, uh, God forbid there was never an issue with, you know, so many people on the on the on the grid. So um, I think that uh, yeah, but it's the popularity of Formula One. I mean, um, will we even be able to get on the grid in Las Vegas? I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it's that race in particular is going to be crazy. Before we say our goodbyes, and this has been so fascinating and lovely, we appreciate your time. Anything you'd like to say to Red Bull faithful before you go? Well, look, I mean, we're just tremendously grateful for all the support uh, that we get all around the world. And, um, and, and yeah, look, I mean, just just a big thank you for, for you know, all the, all the well-wishing that, that, that we get. Um, Red Bull's a different team. We play our music loud and we enjoy what we do and, and we try and do it with a smile on our face. So, um, so yeah, thank you. Thank, just a big thank you. I had one question. Yeah. Sorry, Katie. I had one final question to 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 finish with. There's an impressive helmet collection there behind you. Uh, yeah. What are some of the What are some of the the helmets you've got? Because one that looks like a vessel helmet, but I'm, I can't quite work there's out. There. There's there's like a, a there's Max and, and Alex Albon. There's Checo on the top there. Who else? Uh, Pierre Gasly. Yeah, are those, Sebastian. Are those yours, Christian? Daniel, the, Daniel the the more classic, the red and white ones, you know, the old-fashioned ones. That that's mine. Yeah, yeah. And um, obviously yours are there. Pride of place. Inspired by Ricardo Patrese. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. What yeah. do the other guys have to do to get like a, a helmet makeup? There is, is. Do you just go and say I want this in the <laughs> office, or how does how does it end up behind you? Well, look, you know, they're all very generous racing drivers, as you well know. So, um, uh, <laughs> and, a, and a crash helmet is very personal to them. So, uh, yeah, it's been very kind of them to donate crash helmets. They've obviously wanted something. We'll leave it there. Very good. <laughs> Many burning questions to follow yeah. up with. Christian, <laughs> we, we appreciate the time. Thank you. Okay, nice to talk to you. All the best.